I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Stompcast and to part three of this episode. Anna, where are we? I feel like, what is to our left here? <gasps> Do you know what? Do you know what? We're in Surrey, I know we are. We're in a fruit farm. There's a fruit farm now. Yeah, I just look so to my left as we walk through the gate. I think there's a blueberries two. one yeah. day. And you know what the absolute ironic thing is? They is are blueberries, yeah. They lovely. are. They're not very blue right now. But there are strawberries down there and they're very, very lovely. I can see why you walk this oh, way now. Yeah. <laughs> now we come to the truth. You know, I came with my kids the other day and someone that worked on the fruit farm just handed us four punnets of strawberries and we ate that's the really whole kind. lot yeah, there and there. That's then. really kind. But the fruit farm, what I love about it, I actually grew up near a fruit farm, so I find it really funny that I'm now, you know, living near a fruit farm again, is that there's always something going on. You're always reminded of the changing of seasons mm. and new growth. And sometimes things look really stripped back and you think, how could that ever bear fruit again? And then, you know, a few weeks later, a few months later, there's just like this bounty of fruit. And it just reminds me, because I've walked these, I've walked these paths in so many different mental states. It just reminds me that there's always movement, even and if cycles. you feel stuck, yeah. there's always going to be growth. Even when it, you're looking at it and you're thinking, how the heck can something come out of this? Yeah. And I, yeah, I just love it. So we're in the fruit farms. Right, let's delve into this topic for the final part. So Adam and Emma, my um, dear and bestest friends who've helped me so much through some of the hardest times, and I love you and I care about you dearly, and I'm very grateful for all of your help, have had a, uh, had a baby. Their Aww. first child, um, Cara, who's my goddaughter. Aww. I've got a tattooed on my arm. Yes, there you, can you see. do. I love that. Um, she is absolutely beautiful and amazing. And she's oh. coming up to a year old in August. Um, and yeah, she's, she's amazing. But it's been pretty obvious to me that it's been really hard on them. In fact, yeah. I've been with them on weekends where we've gone away to the Cotswolds. In fact, we went on a holiday nice. together. Um, and let's be honest, it's, it is hard. And I think, you know, they're both, they're both people that have brothers and sisters. They kind of, they love families. But I think even they were like, wow, this is harder than I'd even ever imagined. Yes. And it's visible and obvious to me. And I think a lot of parents feel kind of like, oh my God, is it just me that's struggling? Like, oh, like and, and then it's like kind of everyone goes, well, look after yourself. Like, well, how do I look after myself when I've got a child? I've got no time. So, it'd be, you know, you talk about this a lot. And... Maybe we could start this conversation from why did you title the book and choose the title of the book that you have? And then hopefully we can really delve into some just advice for people like how do you put this stuff in action? Yeah, so my book is called Raising a Happier Mother and it's actually got child crossed out. So it's called Raising a Happier Child, crossed out mother. And I think I have so many parenting books. I have a bookshelf full of these parenting books and they've got amazing information in. Some of it a bit conflicting, but like a wealth of incredible information from incredible people. And I kind of knew what I needed to do in certain situations when it was all kicking off or I was presented with a challenge. But I was finding it really hard to actually put it into action. And I started to realise that because I was in stress mode a lot of the time, my cognitive rational brain was not thinking, 
Well, what was on page 41 of that book, second to the left of my bookshelf? <laughs> I was literally just like in that emotional stress state. And, oh, you know, the burnout. I truly believed, Alex, that to love well is to be sacrificial, to give yourself away until you've got nothing left. That's what I thought love was. Good friendship is to say yes to everyone that asks anything of you. It's, that is how you show love. And only when I had children, I was like so humbled and so challenged. My perfectionism, perfectionism does not translate to parenthood, by the way. The kids do not read the flipping books. <laughs> and I was just struggling so much with the fact that I was trying to do everything right and I always felt like a failure. I knew what I was doing in life before I had kids and I got a lot of identity out of enjoying and being good at my job and then suddenly I had a baby and I didn't know what I was doing. Um, so raising a happier mother is really saying this is the book you read before all the parenting books because if you are burnt out, if your attitude to rest is that it is an indulgent, selfish act that you need to earn, if your attitude towards challenges is that you need to you know keep calm and carry on and push through instead of reaching out for support then we how can we how can we raise happier kids when we're burnt out and we're depleted and we're beating ourselves up and we're anxious and we just constantly feel like we're failing we're struggling with guilt and all of these different things so it's really a precursor to all the parenting books to say you need stuff to be able to give stuff. How can we anchor and nurture people when we are anchorless and we are depriving mm. ourselves? It, as, I, as I listened to you, I remember um, recently I went with Adam and Emma and baby Cara to um, Adam Henson from Countryfile, his countryside park to, to cool. stay. You can stay there for the weekend. Amazing. He actually was a guest on my podcast as well. Really lovely guy. And I, when we got there, basically, Cara had had terrible sleep for two or three nights, mm. really slept badly. Adam and Emma were clearly exhausted. They were really struggling to be awake. We were doing a barbecue in the evening. They were really tired. They went to bed and slept in because basically Cara was up again during the night and they slept in really late. And I could feel, and I kept saying to them, like, don't worry about it. Because I get up early and I crack, I kind of get up and go for a coffee. And, I, and they, they felt extreme guilt because they were like, oh, we're not like present and like we're, we're, we've slept in. And yeah. they felt guilty because they felt they weren't giving me what I, they thought I wanted where yeah. I was really chilled and I, I genuinely I'm like look listen I can see from the outside you need to sleep to so sleep like it's yeah, cool yeah and you would have been happy with yeah that and I'm happy them. with I'm just happy just to be there and yeah. it's cool but they felt a lot of guilt because they felt like they should be having it all together and they should be up early and doing all these things but they also they, they you could just really feel that they they genuinely were feeling really burnt out they needed that sleep and and I, it just was, it was really a fir my first insight. I don't have children and I'm always very careful around this because I, I don't know, what do I know? But I just was, I was watching that thinking, gosh, that is hard because how are they, have a car being up all night affects yeah. their mental health. Yeah. They're trying to be positive, but it's hard to be when you're tired. You also then feel that you should be behaving a certain way or, you know, people are expecting you to meet certain standards. Yeah. It seems quite hard oh, to do both. So much. Well, it's, it's, not it's impossible. impossible. It is, and where does it get you? You know, it got me to postnatal depression because I constantly felt like a failure because I was getting no sleep. I made my husband sleep upstairs because I didn't want him to see me crying all night so how desperate I was. I was pushing everyone away at the time I needed people. And when I'm talking about this, I get mum saying to me, but Anna, you don't understand 
how little time I have. How can I rest? So that is, let's start there. Okay, right. What do we, well, because time is the big one. Yes. I, I think, let's start there, because one of the common things I see, so my view into this conversation is because I talk a lot around, because I'm talking about the mind man or the books or the content, or, and I talk about the importance of self-care, and commonly for parents, I, I, I don't understand, but I understand absolutely why they're saying it, is how can I do this? I don't have time. And I, how can I do that when I need to take care of my child? I can't take care of myself. So yeah. I really, it'd be great to dig into like why that is so important and how you can carve out a bit, a bit of time, even if it's five, yeah. 10 How minutes, can you get rest when you can't? This is a question really what you're asking. That's a great way of putting it. How can That's I look how I should after myself you. when yeah. I can't? And I share some really small ways and I say to people, this is for now, not forever. There will be a time when you can get more and you flip and need more than that. But what can you do and how can we get rest when we can't? Number one is look at how quickly you're moving around your house. I will run up the stairs. Why am I doing that? Do I, do I need that extra one and a half seconds? What am I telling my nervous system when I'm rushing around my own house and I'm doing everything fast and I'm speaking fast? I'm in fight and flight because my, my brain is thinking there's a reason she's tearing around like this. You know, so simple things like actually just slowing down your movement a little bit. You know, the, that extended exhale that tells your nervous system you're safe. Mm -hmm. You know, thinking, what can I do that is mothering to myself? Because mothers need mothering, parents need parenting. We all feel like kids sometimes. I remember putting my baby on the table when we got home from the hospital. And I was like, how did they let us out with this? We have no idea what we're doing. Adam said that, you know. Yeah. Adam said, he said, you walk out, he said, I, I asked, he asked the midwife, like, how do I put this nappy what on? What do I do with he's this? Like, I, he's like, I can't take this baby home. I can't even exactly, put the nappy on. Exactly, but the expectations we place upon ourselves to know what we're doing. You know, so then we feel guilty when that instinct doesn't necessarily feel as forthcoming as we are told it would be. And we might, you know, we might let not let other people support us because we feel like we should find this easy so it's like how can you slow down i like to think of sometimes when i sit on the sofa i imagine i've got a plug a plug charger a phone charger coming out of my bum and i imagine not, doesn't sound no, no, very comfortable you're, i'm sure you'll find a better metaphor <laughs> than this i need to find a new one but plugging it into the wall yeah. because even if it's two minutes it's better than nothing like when you speed charge your iPhone yes. for five minutes before you get Because if you were leaving the house and you were like, oh, there's no point in speed charging it for five minutes, it's only five minutes. But you know that will give you something that you might need. Mm. And I think so often, because either we don't feel worthy of it or we're prioritising in a really hard season of our life things that actually might just need to go on the back burner for a bit. You know, we need to cut corners at certain seasons of our lives. If things are intense, what corners can you cut? You might always want to like cook food from scratch, but actually, can you just cut yourself a break? Not forever, just for now. Think about where are your standards, because if your standards are too high, what you're asking of yourself and the reality of what you're actually able to give with the coins that you have that day, the gap between those things, that's where guilt, feelings of failure, feelings of shame and self-criticism come in. And when, when we're going through a hard time or a massive life transition, we do not need those things. You know, we need compassion, we need patience. And what I love is like, just think about what little acts. I say to mums, what small thing can you do of self-care? Mm. They're like, oh, I'm gonna drink more water. I'm like, whoa, this is where we're going wrong. Drinking water is a basic human act of self-respect. Mm. Mm. Even people on death row, 
get water. What are we? What statements are we making to ourselves? That's a really when we're not point. even hydrating ourselves. You know, to me, self-care is more about what it gives you. What is it adding to you? Are you meeting your basic needs? Because sometimes, Alex, like, if I think about treating my kids in the way that I've treated myself, it's neglect. It's abusive neglect. So that does something to my self-esteem. Everything is a statement. When you sit down and you think, I'm just going to leave that because I just need to sit down. I need to give myself a little bit more resource for 10 minutes, sod the washing. Yeah. You know, that's an active, that's a statement to yourself. You're so saying, like you, saying like you're, you're kind of saying like well, yeah. you're, lo you're lowering the bar of expectation, yes. but, in, but raising the bar of the standard that you treat yourself. Yeah. And so that it is closer together in the Absolutely. middle. Absolutely. And like the standards that I have for my children and the, the people that I love are often way higher than the standards I have for myself. But if I have such low standards for my, myself, how can, I really, truly give my children mm. what I want them to have because mm. I am burnt out, I am snappy, I am mm. resentful, I'm a tearful mess on a Sunday evening on the kitchen floor because I haven't done the things mm. that fill me up. So, for example, now Cara's 11 months, yeah, 11 months old now. How can mums with young babies, so some of the tips there, but how, so if you're thinking, right, okay, I'm still on maternity or, you know, I'm spending a lot of time, maybe, maybe you're a single mum and you've got the baby all the time. How can you create little routines of the self-care at home? I think the movement was a great example. Yeah. It's like slowing movement. But also movement like that, yeah. and just open, blowing open what you think of movement to be. Because for me, movement was hit. It was bash, bish, bash, bosh, jumping around. Barry's punishing, like, yeah, like, yeah, go, go, go. Like, which actually I was hyping up my nervous system, right? And I feel a bit frazzled. So these days, and this has been a massive journey for me because exercise and me, I've had quite an addiction to exercise in the past. Mm. For me, it's about movement now. How can I serve my body and move in a way that works with the number of coins that I've got? I might wake up with 10 coins. Fantastic. I'm going to do a full on hit session on the bike today. And this last week, I've been going through a lot. I've just been walking. So walking. thinking about like what, what do you need? Because we are so, we think about what others need all the time. Mm. You know, you're thinking about what others need all the time. Mums are the parents. And actually I think sometimes we can overlook our needs so much that we don't even know what they are. I sometimes ask in coaching sessions, I say to, I say to a mum, tell me three things you need. And they start crying because they don't even know. Wow. They haven't even asked themselves. So I think, you know, whether you're a mum or not, just start asking yourself, what do I need? Yeah. What do I actually need? Do I need a hug? Do I need a connection that isn't a WhatsApp? Mm -hmm. Do I need just to sit beside someone? Walk beside someone? Go beyond that, I'm fine, thank you. Mm. Even if it feels like, even if your palms are sweating and it feels like the most vulnerable thing that you've ever done, because vulnerability is a muscle, right? Mm. As you know, like with therapy, I started therapy, I couldn't be vulnerable. I was neat, tied up in a little, in a little parcel. She couldn't get in there. And now I'm like stomping around, kind of ranting through the woods and crying. And, you know, vulnerability can feel terrifying, can feel, you know, but, but actually it's the strongest thing we Absolutely. can ever do. It's like waving a flag of surrender and saying, you know what, the world says I've got this. Well, I, I, I equate but I haven't. vulnerability, I equate... I equate vulnerability to resilience, really. Yes. The more vulnerable, vulnerable you are, the more resilient you are. The less vulnerable you are, the less yep. resilient that you are. And on point of that, I think a lot of it is other people around. I mean, there's a great saying, and I believe it, I love it so much. It takes a village. And, yes. you know, 
I think one of the things that relates a lot to the mum ribbon that you're talking about is that people not knowing how they can help. So, for example, for me as a godfather, you know, I'm not, I haven't, the car hasn't been christened, but I like to think that I'm still a godfather. As, a, as, a, as an adult that really cares about her um, and the family, how can I support? Because, you know, I don't have any children, so I don't really know. Mm. I, I don't know what Emma needs or mm. Adam needs. So, how can you help people basically in your life? If you're a brother or a sister, you've got a nephew now, or you've got friends with kids. What's the things that a mum needs you know or dad needs think, that we don't know about? I think it's saying, tell me what you need and know that it gives me joy. You know, it was my son's birthday party the other night. It's the, his, his birthday and the night before, I have always made their cakes, right? Yeah. I've made terrible cake, cakes, Alex. I buy ready-made icing. <laughs> I buy box mix. I love ready-made icing. And they're icing, always, actually. me too, I eat half of it. They're always awful, but it's this thing. Mummy makes bad cakes, but I always make them. And we were going through such a family crisis night before his birthday. The last thing I could literally do was make him a cake. Mm. And my friend was on the phone and she said, can I send him a cake? So she delivered a cake and then she Amazoned some little tanks to go on top of oh, it. And honestly, I let her because I knew that for her, she wanted to help me and I've had to learn to trust because we know how good it feels when we can help people yeah. and we see that they're having a hard time and it's hard when you say how can I help you and they just go no no I'm fine but if you can just say you know what I know it might be hard to accept this but if there's anything I can do it will bring me joy yeah. it will make me feel like I've done something whatever that is some meals from cook just make sure you ask them to empty their freezer first because I've done that before <laughs> I've sent a whole load of frozen meals and they were like Oh my gosh, now yeah, I've got to defrost the cooking yeah, freezer. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, just dropping something on their doorstep. Sometimes it's the same with like, or similar, the only thing I've this is completely different, actually it's not similar, but I, for obvious reasons, life and death, but um, you know, grief, when people are going mm. through grief or, or heartbreak, sometimes it's actually also looking at a situation and going, what do they need? And just going for it. And sometimes the act of doing it and going around, even if they'd already had a birthday cake and you bought a second one, yes. it's kind of like, that helps so much. I mean, Just, I, yeah. I guess an example, um, we went to Adam Henson's farm, and I'm really not saying this, so I get any brownie points, it's really <laughs> not a big deal, but like when they oversleep, when they, were sleep they didn't oversleep, but you know what I mean? They yeah, were sleeping they and they had the sleep that you, they needed. You're probably um, very happy for I, them. I, I, you know, I just, just you know, got the um, kind of the cottage all sorted and oh. had everything ready and went out and got the coffees in the morning and oh, it was that nothing. Would have meant so there was nothing, much but when Emma got off, she was like, oh my gosh, she's smiling. She was oh. like, I tidied all the baby stuff and put things away. This means everything, it's those and things. And it's small. I mean, I mean, it's literally nothing. It isn't anything, but I know to but her it means a lot. To me, yeah. through Deliveroo, that was everything that night. And sometimes, and it's, I think sometimes it's just reassuring people that you're doing this mm. and it brings you, it will bring me joy to do this. Please mm. trust, please let any mm. guilt go and just mm. let me. Um, and almost appealing to them. It would be interesting to hear from your psychotherapist point of view, but also someone that has, is, is a mum of uh, three children. What, you know, what's the most common question that mums mm. ask you? What is the like, number one question oh, yeah. that they come into the therapy room oh. and ask you about? Do you know what they say? They say, how can I not pass my, whatever, anxiety onto my child? How can I not pass my people-pleasing, my constant sense of my perfectionism onto my child? They, want, they don't want their child to struggle with this stuff. And my answer is, address it for yourself because you deserve to address it for yourself. 
you deserve to address your, your people pleasing. My life has been changed. My life has been changed by addressing people pleasing. My self-worth has been transformed by letting people support me. How can I make sure my child is honest with other people because I find it so hard? Work on it for yourself. That's because so our children are watching. Children like sponges, aren't they? They are. And that, that, I know. That I flipping that... wish they weren't because there will yeah. be things that they soaked up. <laughs> That's the other thing. We will mess up our kids. Yeah. End of story. And if you try not to, then you guarantee to mess them up loads. Isn't that true? Because I always say, it's like, like, the more you try and yeah. be a perfectionist, the more you can actually make things worth. Yeah, I mean, my, my parents brought me up translate. in a very, you know, and my, I talked about this before, but my parents brought me up as a first, as the first child, and they tried to bring me up in a very kind of rigid. Um, I'd say it's fair to say rigid, I hope mum was going to be upset by that, but kind of quite strict, kind of like disciplined mm. environment. My mum's very anxious, my dad actually is quite like anxious, but perhaps less obviously so. And that has pa that passed on so much of their worry and anger, like being overly anxious about things like school, all that kind of stuff has passed on yeah. to me. And like, you know, that's, I think there's always stuff you'll pass on. My parents are brilliant parents, I had a great childhood and I had a very loving family, I'm very grateful and fortunate. Uh, for that but it is interesting for me to reflect back now and think oh actually like yeah. if mum had addressed her anxiety perhaps it wouldn't perhaps have been passed on to me maybe yeah. it would have been anyway maybe knows, it would have but and the, the amazing helped. thing is is that we can break the we can break the generational yeah. stuff and I always say to parents like perfect parents doesn't prepare a child for a wholly imperfect messy world I'm going to fail my children but the thing that matters is what do I do after what conversations do I have? Am I relieving them of a sense of responsibility? Am I apologising? Am I saying mummy had big feelings and I need to, I should have done some deep breathing. I'm going to try and do some deep breathing. Mummy just needs a rest. I'm going to go for a walk later. You know, it's like, how are they seeing that cycle complete? Like the bus stop or the meltdown that we have. You know, us parents have meltdowns. Us adults have meltdowns, right? It's how you deal with it's the meltdown. Like what, that what, how do you repair this? So exactly. they see that circle. Because Otherwise... failure is inevitable, isn't oh, yeah. it? And the, and the children seeing how you learn from failure is the strength. I mean, I, my favourite thing is you learn far. I know, sorry guys, you're probably bored <laughs> of it, but you learn far more from your failures you than do. your successes. So and true. I say that over and over again. And that, therefore, if you try and be a perfect parent, whatever that means, then even if you achieve that, you're actually just not teaching your kids no. anywhere as much as no. how to deal with failure. It's no. kind of like if um, you're in the family car and you're on the way to the beach and your dad's driving and then the car pulls out and he has terrible road rage and you're so angry about it and da, 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 da. you're going to pass on those learnt behaviours we're going yeah. to pass on that like when things happen we get really angry and shout at people whereas actually if you go oh, actually maybe that was not the way to respond mm -hmm. and you and you address that in yourself and you know you show like when something happens this is how you respond to it yeah that then is passed on and that is shows like self-growth and a development within yourself when is the book going to be it's out? out in august the uh, august 31st and the other day i just had the loveliest little image of like how this book has worked right i i was so self-critical i'm very clumsy adhd always dropping stuff breaking stuff daily basis we don't have any glasses that match anymore <laughs> and um i used to criticize myself you idiot what are you doing why are you so incapable no one else does this you can't be trusted Anyway, because of the journey I've been on, my daughter dropped a whole cup of milk the other day on, on the floor and she goes, she goes, oh, no worries. She goes, no worries, doesn't matter. And That's I thought, so oh brilliant. my gosh, yeah. I'm so glad because don't all of this stuff, milk. don't cry over spilt milk, but you know, no longer they hear me going, for goodness sake, Anna, yeah. you know, to myself, they hear me saying, 
Oopsie. Oh dear. It's it happened. Matter. Move on. You know, and and this is how, like raising a happier mother, it's about what we are working on within ourselves, the self-worth, the value, the respect of our limited resources. And this goes for everybody. It comes out of us. It comes out of us and, and it, these are values that we end up shifting and changing these narratives and it can be done. And it, you know, we can change generations. Well, thank you so much for the work that you're doing and I'm no doubt the book will help. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Guys, let's do the health fact of the week now. So I've got my health fact of the week. I haven't read it yet, as always. We read it and we just respond <laughs> to it. We'll see what's said. Anyway, let's do it. Health fact of the week. During a lifetime, people on average produce two swimming pools worth of saliva. God, oh, this is random. No. Wow, what Don't. a thought. Oh, I can just see saliva oh, in a swimming pool now. I'm swallowing. That, that's a wine mm. bottle full every day or mm. 20,000 litres in your lifetime. In other words, 53 bathtubs full no. to the brim with saliva. Wow, thank you. Uh, is that why you distanced yourself, Charlie, from that oh, fact? We're all just swallowing she distanced wildly. Herself. Mm. Uh, um, I am actually now. I'm going to eat oh, a sponge. Um, there we go. I don't think we need to even... I think our reaction was pretty obvious to that one. Well, Anna, thank you so much for joining me on the Stopcast. This has been absolutely fantastic. And thank you for being so vulnerable and opening and sharing. And, you know, I, I think sometimes... I think in the past, like, healthcare professionals, we need to be stiff, we need to be sure we don't... We're not vulnerable. We're human beings yeah. too. And I think sharing yeah. that vul vulnerability, if I can say it, will only help others. So thank you oh, so thank much. You I hope you've enjoyed the stunt. I, I loved it. it. I have it's loved a great it. Route, great route that we've taken. Thanks for coming. Yeah, it's been absolutely wicked. So guys, make sure you go and get a copy of the book. Check it out. You know what? It's really helpful for friends and things and, 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 and uncles and aunties. If, you know, you've got, if you've got people in your life that have got new babies and, and learn a bit about it and support them. We've got a little pups trying to join us now. I think it's a Wimbledon uh, it's a Wimbledon collar on that puppy, a little black lab. And I've got my Wimbledon hat on at the moment you as well. You do. Yeah, you're fully repping. Well, guys, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us. Um, head over to Behind the Stomp now. So if you subscribe to it, $3.99 a month for a discount over the year, you'll hear uh, my reaction, Charlie's reaction and Emma's reaction as well to the episodes. And we'll share some of our own intrusive thoughts as well. Gosh, this could be interesting. Charlie, what are you going to come out with? <laughs> She's going to have a thing, or maybe don't have a thing, I don't know. Anyway, we'll see you over there very soon. Thanks for listening, take care, and goodbye. Hold up, what was that? 
Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.